As I got up this morning, and I prepared to come here, I could smell all the ribs and chicken, hamburgers that you were cooking on your way here. Some of you still got it in your crock pot. We don't use crock pots anymore, but I know you got it in your crock pot ready to go. But as I think about today, I think about three important documents. Number one, I think about the Declaration of Independence. You have to be grateful for where God's placed you at. I can't say that. And I've been to a lot of places. And I got off the plane like, when are we leaving? God has blessed us. The second document is the Emancipation Proclamation. If you are African American, in 1863, 3.5 million African Americans were set free by the law. Now, taking nothing away from those two documents that God put on the hearts of men to create, he also gave us this. Now this supersedes everything. Supersedes everything. This is the only book in the world that you can find salvation for the broken, healing for the brokenhearted. You can find joy in the midst of sorrow. You can find a Savior that has his hands open and ready for you. This is the only place you can find that. And although the last two documents only talk about freedom in this life, this talks about freedom for eternity. Amen. 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 But I want to pray for us today. Not only for us, I want to pray for our country. I want to pray that we get back to God. We solemnly get back to God. There's a few things that I remember while I was on sabbatical, and it was one while Pastor Paul preached, and I am so grateful he's coming. Man, I'm excited uh, that Pastor Paul is coming, and he's going to be our senior pastor here. But he said three words in his last sermon while he was here. He said, God wants us to be with me, be with me. Those three words kept ringing in my ears for the last 20-something days. Be with me, be with me, just stay here, be with me, be with me. And so we're going to pray this morning before I get started, and we're going to ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for the choir. God, thank you for the faithful brothers and sisters that are here. Thank you for every opportunity that, that you have provided for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Lord. But Lord, I know without a shadow of a doubt, God, you have more for us as believers. So God, help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to tune in to what you're saying to us today. Lord, let our ears be open, let our hearts be open, let our hearts be clear so that we can receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. As you're going there in your Bibles, I, I am 
you know, as I was thinking about the sermon this morning and how to start, and my wife was like, man, you look so worried about today. And, and, and you know, I said, baby, I, you know, the scripture is there. God tells us exactly what to say, you know, and so there's no problem there. But, you know, how do I start in this, you know, in this, this, this particular uh, sermon today? You know, that was the struggle, and I started thinking about my life. I started thinking about the day that I got saved and how that was a joyous occasion. And after getting saved, I tried to stop doing everything that displeased God. I just tried to stop. You know, I, I, I gave this up and I gave this up. And, you know, Garrett, I gave this part up and, you know, the little things I gave up. But there were some things in my life that I struggled with that were just harder to give up. And I don't know if there is anybody else in this room that feels the same way, but after you get saved, it almost seems like the struggle is harder. And so I got saved, and I was going to church. I was checking all the box. Hey, go to church. Go to Bible study. You know, that's good. And, and make sure you give your tithes, and that's good. And, man, I kept going to church, and I was thinking to myself, there has got to be more to this Christian life. There's got to be more. God, I know you didn't send your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins just for me to sit in a pew and listen to the word every day. What else is there of this Christian life? Matter of fact, I start thinking as we were reading scriptures in church, you know, about freedom, and I'm, I'm thinking about my internal struggles, and I said, you know, you talk about freedom, but God, I'm not feeling free. I feel that I have given my life to Jesus. I feel that if I die today, I will be eternally with him. But while on this earth, God, I am going through some tremendous struggles. So what is, what's the solution? God, how do I get from being here and, you know, not being saved and now being saved and then over here living in this freedom that we talk about, that we sing about every Sunday, what does this freedom look like? So in Romans chapter 6, Paul starts laying out to the church in Rome what this freedom really looks like. Because it does not just stop at salvation. This freedom continues to carry on in this physical life and also into eternity. Are you ready to walk through the scripture with me this morning? Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. He says, how shall, we then, how shall we say then, are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. What he's basically saying, I'm going to give you the cliff notes. What he's basically saying, he says, how can you live in sin and you have been set free? If you have proclaimed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, how is it that now you can continue to live the same way that you used to live? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For we have been 
we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of him in his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For, for he who has died is freed from sin. In verse 8 it says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him, for the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as I read that verse, I said there's more to the Christian life. And what is this freedom that we always talk about? Because we're struggling, you're living in this world, and you're struggling, and my fear is most of you have already given up. You have said in your heart, God, I know this is a sin in your eyes, and I know this is wrong, but I'm just going to keep this until I die. God, you know my heart. You know I want to serve you, but in this body of flesh, you know, I just can't, I can't break free of this, God. There is no way I can break free. Now, let me give you the good news. Through Jesus, you have been set free. Amen. Amen. You've been set free. And it's almost like the cage of this prison has been opened, but you have yet to walk out of the prison. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ. So in the scriptures, it talks about, you know, so what is this freedom? What does Paul say this freedom is? Number one, look at verse six. Look at verse six. He said, we are no longer slaves to sin. Now, let me break that down for you. <laughs> when I'm talking about a slave, listen to this. A slave who is someone forbidden to quit their service from another person, the slaver. While treated as property, slavery typically involves the enslaved person being made to perform some work while also having their location dictated by the slaver. A person who is the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. And you may be saying, but Pastor Ken, I've never been a slave to anybody. And I can stop when I feel like it. If you read further down in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says that you are a slave to those who you obey. So when I am, if the Bible tells me that in, when I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I am no longer a slave to sin, what does that actually mean in the life of a believer? What does that mean? Does it mean that you'll never have temptation? No, it does not mean that you will have temptation. Jesus had temptation. When you look at multiple kings in the Bible, all of them had temptation, but they were not overcome by the temptation because of what Jesus did. So as I look at the scriptures and I see that we are no longer slaves, this is what this means. 
when sin calls my name, I don't have to answer anymore. I don't have to answer you anymore. Nope. Nope. Yes, who is it? It's me. You remember me. We used to have some good times together. You remember that stuff we used to do? Yeah, the songs we used to sing together. It's me. Go ahead and let me in. All right, I don't want y'all to camp out there too long because you'll be back there. <laughs> and he starts knocking on your door. But now, through Jesus, you can say, through the power, I don't have to open this door anymore. I am no longer your slave. I don't have to obey you. And when I look at that, I, I start thinking about Proverbs. So, so, so how, you know, when he, he is calling my name and I'm not required to answer, what do I do? I look at Psalms 25, 4 through 5. It says, Lord, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me to your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, for I will wait for you all the day long. The reason I put that particular scripture up there is because when he comes knocking, you need to have a recourse. When Satan comes knocking at your door through temptation, you need to have a recourse. What is the scripture that I go to? You can't wait until you're in the battle to try to start finding scriptures. You've got to already know, Lord, you have, you have helped me. God, I will trust in you. I'll put my whole faith and honor in you. God, I, I need you, Lord, in this moment. And when you call upon him, he'll be faithful and just to answer. That's good news, saints. Amen. Number two, the first one was when he calls my name, I'm not required to answer. When he tries to lure me away with guilt, shame, intimidation, pleasure of this world or the treasures of this world, I don't have to answer. I can cling to the promise. You see, you got to understand, too, that there's a progression in this. After he knocks on your door and invites you back, He's not just going to stop there. He's going to invite you with something that you knew was good. He's going to invite you back or he's going to try to guilt you into coming back. He's going to say, you know what? God will never forgive you for that. Why do you think that, you know, do you remember all the stuff that you did, all the people that you wronged and, and all these things that you looked at and somebody's going to find that? And so he places this tremendous amount of guilt on you so you don't feel like you can ever go back. You don't feel like you can ever have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen, somebody? And so this sin, we are no longer slaves to sin. I don't have to listen. I don't have to open the door. And I don't have to listen to these guilt trips that he's going to give me. I continually depend on the word of God. First Peter says, Blessed be the Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. You see, while he starts promising me these things of this world, I remember about the hope that lies before me. I start thinking about, God, this is going to be so much better 
The only thing that I need to do is hold out, cling to your word, and continue to commit myself and surrender my heart to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Is it hard? Absolutely. Young people, old people, children, black, white, Hispanic, all of us go through something. But Jesus has given us the power to never be slaves to sin again. The last point. When sin threatens my life, I find shelter in God's protection. When when sin threatens my life, I find shelter in God's protection. Why would you say that? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes after he comes to your door and he knocks, after he tries to entice you with things of this world or guilt or shame or anything like that, he starts telling you where you're going to die. Has anybody else felt like that before? Come on. He said, you know, I'm just going to take you out of here. He said, watch, when you get in that car, something's going to happen. They're never going to see you again. Or you, or you say, you know, hey, you know, man, I've been dealing with this my whole life, and the only way that I can get out of this is through taking my own life. And some of you have thought about that, and you say, you know, the devil is just speaking into my head, and it's like a, like a megaphone. But guess what? You are no longer slaves to sin. You don't have to obey what it tells you. Isaiah 41.10, this is what it says, fear not. This is what God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. You hear all those eyes? I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will withhold you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So when the enemy starts speaking lies my way that talk about me and, th- and threatening my life, I go back to the promises of God. Right. Amen. Saints, this is good news. Amen. Because for most of you, you've been in a boxing match. <laughs> and man, Satan's been wearing you out. He's been knocking you in the jaw, <laughs> hitting you in the stomach. <laughs> Wait till you get alone by yourself, hit you in the eye, and working you over. But what you didn't realize is that through Christ, you are not his slave any longer. Let's go to the next point. Verse 7. It says, for he who has died is freed from sin. So now you have, I am no longer a slave of sin, but now I am also freed from sin. Okay? I'm no longer a slave to sin, and I'm now freed from sin. So what does that mean? You know, when I say I am freed from sin, that does not say that you will never sin again. As long as you're living on this earth, there will be things you will say Think and you will sin against God. What happens is when you get saved, there is a process called sanctification. And in sanctification, the more I hear, the more I pray, the more I seek the Lord, the more mature in my Christian walk I become. 
So what we have to do, it is most paramount in the life of the believer, is continue to cling to the word of God. Cling to the word of God. Temptation will come. And you'll fall. But that should not be your life. That should not be your life. He says we're freed from sin. So if we are freed from sin, but let me tell you the punishment, you know, uh, in Romans 2, 6 through 10, it says, uh, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but uh, obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury from God. Romans 5, 10 said that we are enemies of God. John 3, 36 says, whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And so there is a punishment for sin. But glory be to God. Here is the courtroom acquittal. (laughs) Jesus steps in. And he says, listen, now the acquittal is not to say that you're innocent. (laughs) Matter of fact, the acquittal is to say you did everything that I thought you did. You've done it all. Yes, yeah, you you did it all. That was me, yes. The acquittal says, hey, even though these sins have happened, I am stepping in the middle and we're wiping those away. Now, let me give that to you in Scripture. Turn in your Bible because you need to see this. Turn in your Bible to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Get your Bible, look on with someone else. You need to see this. And this is what it says. And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your your flesh, he made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us for all of our wrongdoings, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. Listen, there was a long list of stuff against you. A long list. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, and when he had disarmed the rulers and authority, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So he took your sin and nailed it to the cross. Now, that is what made you free. You are no longer a slave. You have been freed from sin, meaning that you you don't have to face the penalty of sin now. Because you are in Christ Jesus. So when you stand before the Father, and we all will, when you finally stand before the Father, he's not going to see your sin. He's going to see Jesus. And that's something to be happy about. The last thing. This is the piece that took some time uh, to go through. Because I couldn't understand this particular verse. And so I kept praying and saying, Lord, can you give me some understanding in this particular verse? And it was verse 9 of chapter 6. And this is what it says. says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer has master over him, is master over him. Matter of fact, go into verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin for once and all, for, or once and for all. But to life that he now lives, he lives to God. To God. 
And in verse 8, it says, we shall also live with him. Now, I said, when I read that verse, I was like, okay, so we're going to live with you. I, I know that when I die, if I've given my eyes to Jesus, I will live with him. I'm going to be with him. I know that. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, not only will you live with him in eternity, but you're going to live with him in this life. I said, so God, what do you mean by that? I'm going to live with Jesus in this life, and I'm going to live with him in eternity. What that means is when you gave your life to Christ and your, your death was just like his, your life started running parallel uh, to Jesus' life. You are not Jesus, but it started running parallel to Jesus' life. And so everything that Christ is allowed to do in God, now you are allowed to do in God. I said, God, I need a, just a little bit more understanding on that verse. Can you, can you help me? Well, this word is sozuzo, sozazo. It says the definition of this word is to live with him, a new life in union with Christ Jesus, dedicated to God. So I looked at some other verses, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 through 10. And then I also looked at another verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 4, and it says the exact same things. We will live with him in this, in this world. So how do I live with God? I look at the life of Jesus. He lived in constant fellowship with the Father. Because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I now have the opportunity to live in constant fellowship with the Father. I can do that because I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I was telling the men today, one of the sweetest things about my 30 days off was being able to just sit in the word and just read through the word hour after hour and just have sweet fellowship with the Lord. Being in constant fellowship, I now have that opportunity. Number two. He was not only living in constant fellowship, he submitted his will to the Father. He submitted his will to the Father. Because I'm in Christ, I can now do that. Number three, I live to glorify the Father. When you are not saved, you are an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. We can live to glorify the Father. And so in these things, I learn how to live like that, to live with him. But I also got one more thing that is not in your notes and just create another little place. And you may be saying, well, how do we practically live this out? And Ken, I've, I've heard the theology on this and I've heard, you know, uh, I am no longer a slave to sin. I'm freed from sin and, and, and now I can have constant fellowship with God. What, what, how do I live this out? Well, Paul starts walking through that in verse 12 of chapter 6. I want you to go there. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore, because of everything I just said, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That word reign means to be king or have rule in your body. Just by the way he mentions this, 
he mentions it because we can give permission to him. Someone has given permission. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And so the first one is I am not allowing sin to reign in my body. You know where the battle begins at in your life? It's not the specific act of you doing something or sinning against God. You know where it's going to start at? In your mind. That's where it starts at. When you start entertaining acts of sinfulness, when, you, when the devil plants a seed of unfaithfulness in your heart or, or he puts something in your mind and you keep playing with it and twirling around in your mind and, and then that twirling around in your mind goes from thinking about it to voicing it out of your mouth and then actually committing the sin in your mind. Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. If you hear a voice that is not like God's, that goes completely against the will of God, you start saying, Lord, this is not of you. This is not, this is not come from you, Lord. And Lord, I cast this thought away as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, I commit myself to your word. I don't ever want to think about this again. We commit ourselves. To, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Look at the last verse. This is it. It says, and, don't, and do not go on presenting the members of your body as sin to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. He says, now... I don't want sin to reign in your mortal body, but then also don't allow your instruments or your bodies to start creating sin. So therefore, if I'm speaking discourse against someone, I'm not allowing my mouth to speak those things anymore. I'm now speaking things that edify other people. If I'm stealing something, I'm putting my hands in the jar and I'm taking something that's not mine, I no longer do that, but I put my hands to a helpful work that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. If I am doing anything, anything outside of the will of God, I now take the members that I have dedicated to that work. Now I allow them to be the members that Christ can fully use. I'm surrendered. And that, saints, is good news. Now, I realize this is hard because when you got saved, you thought that was it. And you start living your life and you said, you know, there's just some things in my life that I'm just not going to be able to get rid of. But Jesus says that's not true. I'm going to give you the ability to overcome the enemy in every part of your life. You no longer have to be a slave. Walk out of the cage. Walk out. Walk out. He'll tell you that if you walk out, everyone will know. Now your life will be exposed. I'll tell you anyway, walk out. This is the freedom that we live in in Jesus Christ. 
I'm no longer a slave to fear. And listen, when David sings that song on Sunday morning, we're probably as close to a Pentecostal church as I've ever seen us. <laughs> Y'all be flipping over the chairs and... I'm no longer, and y'all just, <laughs> I'm not going to say that song this morning. <laughs> but listen to this, listen, 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 listen. But are you really no longer a slave? Are you really? I know we sing it, it sounds good, and we do it in here on Sunday morning, but when I walk out there, am I just allowing the enemy to have his way in my life? So at this time, as the choir comes, I think it's a time for all of us to just look back. Have I been giving the devil rule in my life? Are there areas in my life that I have, I have not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ? And I haven't been living in the full freedom that's afforded through Jesus Christ. Have I been doing that? And I'll tell you, if you have never done that, today is the day. But if you're here and you're a Christian and you're struggling, maybe it's time for repentance. And just saying, Lord, I know, I know, God, this is an area in my life and I have just been struggling through this. But now I see through the scripture you have given me the power to, to walk over sin and not obey its call in my ear. Maybe this is the day. You know, when I was pulling up this, you know, doing this sermon, I started thinking about all the bad relationships and all the bad decisions I had made. And I started thinking about just all the just horrible things I've done. And I started thinking, why would you want to go back to that? If Jesus is calling you to freedom, why not live in it? And let me tell you, it will afford you more benefits than this world can ever offer you. So today, as you close your eyes, I want to pray. And as I pray... If that's you today and you say, I just want to give my life to Jesus, I want you to just raise your hand. And I can have the, the pastors up front, and they'll be here waiting to receive you. Say, you know what? Today is my day. Sin has had its way with me, and no longer am I going to stay here. I'm not going to live here anymore. This is it. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this word. Thank you for showing us the truths in your word of what is afforded to us when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. We are not just saved for eternity, but God, you give us the power to overcome sin. You give us the power to be free, truly free. And God, you also give us the ability to be like you, to be like Jesus Christ, walking in full fellowship with the Father. And so, Lord, I pray that today that that man, woman, boy, or girl who's struggling and they know I need a safe harbor 
I need to be in the arms of a loving Savior. This world has nothing to offer me. If that's you today, for your very first time, when every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You've been struggling, seeing no way out. You say, I just want to give my life to Jesus for the very, very first time. Thank you, I see you. Listen, what better day than Independence Day to be set free from the bonds of the enemy? I want to ask if you have, if you're in this room and you raise your hand, we've got some pastors down front to talk with you, to pray with you. I want you to take that next step of faith and just step out. God has his arms open wide just for you. Take the next step of faith. What sense does it make to walk in here and leave out the same way you came when freedom is available? Then also, if you're here, and you say, you know, Pastor Ken, man, I, I have been living a life. You know, I, I show up here every Sunday, and, you know, I know I'm saved. I've given my life to Jesus, but I need to do business with God. I need to get down on the altar and do some business. I, I, there have been things in my life, and, you know, I, I haven't told anybody about it yet, but I really, really need to do some business with God and allow sin not to reign in my life. The altar is open for you. The altar is open. So as we all stand, let's sing.